You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Dr. History, good morning to you. Good morning, Zev. What a day, huh? Well, I'm really, I'm kind of dismayed that you didn't try to mush your dogs through the drifts. <laughs> well, it would have been mushing because we got a lot here. I don't know how you are over there in Murtaugh, but uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty deep on the road here. Well, it's always pretty deep in the studio with you here, too. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I'm kind of deep, right? <laughs> By the way, what have you got for a historical story? for us today. How about guns and gunfighters? Oh my, here we go. All right, so here we go. One dusty day in 1871, there was a young Texas trail boss was driving a herd of cattle north to Kansas when trouble arose with a Mexican drover whose herd was crowding close behind, which made it difficult to keep the cattle apart. And, you know, that was a problem back in those days, uh, somebody trying to overtake another herd and getting their cattle all mixed up so anyway there were heated words were exchanged and the uh boss mexican cursed me the young texan claimed and said he would kill me with a sharpshooter as quick as he could get it from the wagon well the mexican turned with the returned with the rifle dismounted about 100 yards from the texan took deliberate aim and fired okay the bullet whipped off the texan's hat and grazed his head the Mexican pulled the trigger again, but the rifle would not fire. He pulled his pistol and signaled to his vaqueros or his, his buddies there to join in. Well, the young Texan, 18 years old, displayed some pretty remarkable coolness under fire. He drew his revolver, which was an old cap and ball Colt with a loose cylinder. There was so much play between the cylinder and the barrel, he said, that it would not fire unless I held the cylinder with one hand and pulled the trigger with the other. Oh, my. <laughs> See what kind of a gun he was. Oh, my. Not great. Well, he dismounted, and with the approaching Mexican only 10 paces away, he fired this uh, pistol and managed to hit the man in the thigh. Well, the Colt would not fire again, and the Texan rushed back to his camp where he got a better pistol came back out accompanied by some of the other cowboys and they had a shootout and the, the poor uh, boss Mexican guy and four of his guys uh, didn't make it. Uh -huh. So that's kind of what, you know, when you're carrying a gun and wonder where you're going to use it, well, that was one time and the young Texan drover was a guy by the name of John Wesley Hart. Oh my goodness! <laughs> now that that name bring, rings a bell, right? It sure does. I'll tell you what, it didn't really uh, propel him to greatness. No, no. I mean, he was one of the most notorious gunfighters of frontier history and actually credited with killing 44 men. Oh, my so, goodness. That's not a good thing. But anyway, his experience with this faulty pistol taught him a lesson that he never forgot. He always ensured that his guns were in perfect condition and always carried two in case one misfired. Uh-huh. And gunfighters rarely, if ever, fired both pistols at the same time, you know, like you see in Western movies and TV. And it seems that Hardin's favorite weapon was a Colt forty-four caliber 
new model army of 1860, which was a six-shot cap and ball revolver that was loaded with lead balls and black powder and fired by percussion caps. Yeah. But after 1873, Hardin also used the Colt 45, uh, what's called the Peacemaker model. Right. And that's the kind you usually see, you know, in Western movies. Have you ever shot one of those pistols? I have not. I have. And this deal in the movies and on TV where they can hold it out in front of them and, or else they can make a quick draw and hit and there's no recoil, let me tell you from personal experience that is all balderdash. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know what Hollywood does to, to yeah. boys. Yeah. You know, anyway, the six shooters produced by uh, Colt, uh, Colt's Patent Firearms Manufacturing Company of Connecticut, that was the most popular and... Uh, of the revolver of the Old West, and it was used by working cowboys, by gunfighters, lawmen, bandits, the army. Uh, but Samuel Colt, who lived from 1814 to 1862, uh, produced his first model, which was actually a five-shot in 1836, and this was particularly uh, a favorite amongst the Texas Rangers mm-hmm. uh, in their close and mounted combat with the Indians. Okay. So the Colt was the ideal horseman's weapon, and the Rangers used it uh, against the Indians who were accustomed to dealing with people with just a single shot. So, you know, anytime you had something that could shoot more than one bullet at a time, you definitely had the advantage. You know, now the cap and ball pistols, uh, boy, you really had to be careful, didn't you, about making sure literally that the the percussion caps that you used didn't get wet. I mean, boy, uh, oh, you, yeah. could, you couldn't afford a misfire. No, there was a lot of unreliability, I guess you could say, you know, with those early early pistols. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, Colt's first six-shot model came in 1847, and because it incorporated certain mechanical suggestions uh, made by a Captain Sam Walker of the Texas Ranger, it was called the Walker Colt. Oh. And you probably, I know you've heard of that. Yes, I have. But the U.S. government ordered a 1,000 of these, these heavy 44 calibers, and for military use in the Mexican War of 1846 and 48. So the Colt Company produced a lot of different models in the following years. The 36 uh, Navy model of 1851, it was used a lot in the American Civil War and by frontiersmen and gunfighters. Uh, Wild Bill Hickok carried a pair of Navy Colts, and it was called the Navy because the models had an engraving on the cylinder depicting a Navy battle. Oh, really? Now, I have, I've shot one of those. It's been years and years ago, but I'll tell you what, to think that they, like Wyatt Earp and all those old uh, Western Sheriff heroes, etc., could make a quick draw with those things, they're heavy! Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, TV and, and Hollywood kind of make it look pretty easy, but, but it wasn't. So, But you know, the revolver uh, proved essential to the cowboy's survival. I mean, when the occasion demanded that he use it against his fellow man, against rattlesnakes, wolves, uh, other four-legged wildlife, uh, to put an injured horse out of its agony, or to actually shoot a dangerous uh, cow, you know, or a bull that's uh, charging. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've read that most of the cowboys, most of the cowboys on cattle drives, they could not have hit a barn if they were inside the barn. <laughs> Right. In fact, I've got a story about one of those here in just a minute. Why don't we go ahead and take a break right here, Zed? Okay, good enough. 
Uh, don't forget, Doctor History is brought to you by Minicasha Sales, thirteen twenty one East Main Street in Burley, with Zach and the whole crew. My goodness, you're planning on remodeling this spring. Well, they've got all your lumber packages, they've got all your shingles. Oh, and you got to upgrade your windows, keep the cold outside, the warm inside. They've got all the western windows. They've got it all for you. All you have to do is just please stop in at thirteen twenty one East Main Street in Burley, Minicasha Sales. Wonderful people that can help you with all the refurbishment of your home, Minicasha Sales. Stop in and see them today, and they're very happy to bring you Dr. History. And now, with the Navy Colt in each hand, here's Dr. History. Here we go. Okay, there's a story told about a, uh, a cowboy who was on a cattle drive, and an incident in which uh, a cowboy roped a large and very powerful steer, The cowboy was jerked to the ground by the animal, and as he lay trapped under his fallen horse, the steer lowered its horns and charged the rider who's on the ground laying trapped under his horse. Now, this is not a good good moment for him. Now, some people might uh, panic or be paralyzed, you know, with fear, but uh, uh, not this guy. He... uh, he basically uh, was a young man. His hand was instantly on his revolver, and drawing it, he shot this steer right in the head as it was charging him. Mm-hmm. Now, now that takes a lot of not a lot of nerve. But you know, most working cowhands bought their six shooters over the counter at a gun or hardware store, and probably paid little attention to details and really even to regular maintenance and. The ordinary cowboy viewed his handgun as a necessary piece of equipment to be used when required, but mostly it was just to be worn, especially in town, yeah. as a symbol of his kind of his macho calling as a cowboy. So they probably never even took it out of the holster probably for days or weeks at a time. They probably, in many cases of some of the historical uh, stories that I've read about cowboys and guns, uh, like I said, many of them, uh, they didn't know how to clean them, and like you said earlier, they probably, I said earlier, they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn if they were in the barn. Uh, It was nothing more than something basically to put around their waist. Yeah, yeah, and uh, maybe occasionally use it. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, per- now professional gunfighters, however, you know, they purchased their guns with particular attention to detail, and they took good care of them. Now, while Bill Hickok regularly checked the loads of his Navy Colts, you know, making sure it was clean, inspecting it to ensure that it would fire instantly when he needed it, and he was quoted as saying, "When I draw and pull," he said, "I must be sure." You know that Masterson, of course, he was a lawman gunfighter. He actually purchased a total of eight forty-five caliber peacemaker models directly from the Colt company, uh-huh. and he knew exactly what he wanted in a handgun. And in fact, he wrote a letter. I'm going to read right here uh, to the Colt company. He said, "Gentlemen, please send me one of your nickel-plated short forty-five caliber revolvers." It is for my own use, and for that reason, I would like to have a little extra pains taken with it. I am willing to pay extra for extra work. Make it very easy on the trigger, and have the front sight a little higher and thicker than the ordinary pistol of this kind. Mm-hmm. Now, he said, put on a Gouda Percha, which I understand is kind of like a hard rubber handle. I see. And send it as soon as possible. Have the barrel about the same length that the ejecting rod, which is four and three quarters inches, truly yours, W.B. Masterson. I'll be. So he knew exactly what he wanted and what worked for him. But 
You know, as we mentioned, you know, the ritual, quick-dry confrontation between rival gunfighters constantly portrayed by, you know, the Western movie makers, uh, you know, hands poised over the six guns in a low-slung holster. Uh, you know, it's not accurate. I mean, the revolvers were, were worn high on the hip, and a gunman intent on killing his rival or a victim generally did so by ambush, by trickery or surprise. So shooting a man in the back was far more certain than a risky face-to-face -face encounter. Now, so, I want to ask you a question right there, Doc. You were talking about Wild Bill Hickok before. And most of the pictures that have him show him wearing two occult revolvers in a sash instead of holsters. Now, I wonder how reliable to pull them out of a sash in case they got caught on the cloth that would be. I, to me, it looked like it'd be a little bit dangerous and not really reliable that those Colts would stay in that sash. Well, and the other thing is if you're pulling that uh, gun out of a sash... You hope you don't shoot yourself. Oh, I thought about that. <laughs> I think that happened a few times. Yeah. But, you know, an experienced man-killer uh, guy took no chances. I mean, gunfighters such as Hickok, Jesse James, Pat Garrett, Wes Harden were all killed by shots in the back. Right. And Billy the Kid, of course, was gunned down by a uh, surprise in a darkened bedroom. Uh, Hickok, however, did engage in a duel somewhat like the Hollywood Manor. And this actually happened in 1865. Uh, in the public square of Springfield, Missouri. Mm -hmm. A wild bill faced a guy by the name of Dave Tutt, uh, who was also a pretty good uh, pistol shot. He was, he was pretty good with a gun. But the gunfight was triggered by an argument over a game of poker. Now, Tutt acquired Hickok's watch in the game of poker, and he boasted that he would wear that watch in the town square as a symbol of his triumph well, Wild Bill objected to this and said that he would shoot him if he took such action, but Tut ignored the warning. The two men confronted each other at a distance of 50 yards. Both drew and fired at the same time, or so it appeared to the eyewitnesses. Tut missed with his shot and fell dead with a bullet in the heart. Now, wait a minute. You said 50 yards or 50 yeah, feet? Yards. 50 yards. Holy cow. As bad as my eyes are getting now, I doubt if I could have seen the guy at 50 yards. You know, Hickok, uh, whether with luck or skill, who knows. But anyway, it says uh, Hickok, after he shot this guy, he swung around on uh, Tut's friends and leveled his colt at them and saying, are you guys satisfied now? And he said, put up your shooting irons or there'll be more dead men here. Well... It impressed Hickok by by his marksmanship and cool demeanor. The men, uh, they decided it would be good that they just left. So they did. You know, doesn't it surprise you that uh, in the Old West, uh, I know that Hollywood has enamored a lot of these stories, and uh, they've made them bigger than what they really were. But, uh, you know, the drovers would hit the town, whether it was Abilene or whether it was Dodge City. Really, it surprises me with all the whiskey and all the other uh, attractions that there weren't more people shot and killed. Right. I mean, and everybody carried a gun. Well, I yeah. say everybody, most everybody did. But, you know, Wild Bill, he, he actually stood trial for Tut's death, but uh, he was acquitted on a uh, plea of self-defense. I so, see. But uh, actually, according to one of our good friends, General George A. Custer, Wild Bill was not what they you would call a quarrelsome man. But he had a lot of conflicts, and... Uh, it resulted in the death of uh, who he was fighting with, uh, and yet he always seemed to escape unhurt. 
that he, Wild Bill always carried two handsome ivory-handled revolvers of the large size, and uh, he's never, he was never seen without them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was, he was quite a guy. I mean, Hitchcock, uh, he amazed and entertained people uh, with a display of his shooting skills. And it had been claimed that Hickok could cut a chicken's throat with a bullet from 30 paces without breaking its neck. I would really like to see, and maybe you and I could arrange this somehow. Yeah, uh, and then he said, they said that he could uh, drive the cork into a bottle without breaking the bottleneck. Oh, really? Yeah, and hit a dime at 50 paces nine times out of ten. Wait a minute, a dime at a 50 dime. paces? I can't even see a dime at 50 paces. I, I wouldn't want you shooting at me, I'll tell you that, but a dime at 50 paces. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So, anyway... Contrary to what the movies depict, uh, lightning speed and drawing a pistol was not really the fundamental requisite of a gunfighter. Uh-huh. Uh, it was important, more important, to be deliberate, which called for cruel courage and accuracy uh, to be successful. Now, Wyatt Earp commented that deliberation in a shootout was the key to survival. And the victory said would be the one who took his time and pulled the trigger once. And Hickok actually advocated the basic, basic rule, whenever you get into a row, be sure and not shoot too quick. He says, I've known many a fellow to slip up for shooting in a hurry. And Bat Masterson once gave this advice, and uh, uh, the main thing he says is to shoot first and never miss. Yeah, there you go. But, yeah, never try to run a bluff with a six-gun, because there's a lot of guys that have been buried with their boots on because he... Uh, foolishly tried to scare someone by reaching for his gun. Well, would you agree with the old adage that maybe it wasn't the uh, cattle uh, the cattle barons and it wasn't the cowboys and it wasn't maybe the gunfighters per se, but the guys that supposedly were the best with a gun in the days of the Old West were the old gamblers. Right, yeah. And, of course, you know, they had plenty of time to practice, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, now, like I say, Wild Bill, he had some advice that kept him alive for a while, but, I mean, he said, always have your gun loaded and ready and never reach for it unless you're in a dead fight intended to kill the other guy. Oh, my. So, don't even reach for the gun, you know, unless you think you're going to use it. So, But he says, also, he says a lot of inexperienced fellows try to aim a six-shooter by sighting along the barrel, and they try to shoot the other man in the head. Now, he, Wild Bill says, never do that. He says, if, if you have to stop a man with a gun, try to hit him just where the belt buckle would be. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest target from head to heel, so just shoot him in the stomach. Let's so. not talk about shooting somebody in the biggest target, the stomach, okay? <laughs> well, that, could, that, that could offend some people, I guess. <laughs> I mean, look at jingles on Wild Bill Hickok, Andy Devine. If you were to aim at him, you're like, like shooting at a barn wall. That's right. Well, Hickok, you know, like I say, he, he advised the same thing. He says, if you have to shoot a man, shoot him, and this is his words, shoot him in the guts near the navel. He says, you may not make a fatal shot, but it will get a shock uh, that will paralyze his brain and arm so much that the fight will be all over. You know, really, how reliable in those days, I know we only got about a minute left, but how reliable was the ammunition? You know, I'm not sure about that. That's a good question, because I know that there were, well, even today, you know, you can get a shell in your gun that's a misfire. Absolutely. So, yeah. But, uh, you know, Wild Bill, he knew all the gunfighting tricks, but even he could be taken by surprise. Uh, uh, Hickok was Marshal of Abilene, and Hardin, 
came into town wearing his guns, which was against the town's ordinance. So Hickok told Hardin to remove his guns. Well, they had another run-in, and Hardin was still wearing his guns. So Hickok drew his colt and said, take those pistols off. I'm going to arrest you. Hardin said, okay. He pulled out his revolvers and offered them butt first to Hickok. Uh-oh. While he was reaching for them, Hardin claimed, I reversed them, whirled them over on him with the muscles, muzzles in his face. And that, well, there's a name for that. Do you remember what that's called? I was going to say, it's not the border shift. It's, um... There's a name for that when they... Yeah, I'll think of it here in a minute. But uh, anyhow, I've, I'm run out of time, but I really would like to pursue more stories about the Old West gunfighters and compare them to what Hollywood had on television, whether it was Wyatt Earp or whether it was Wild Bill Hickok or whatever. I think we ought to try to compare then and, and now. How about that? Yeah, yeah, that would be good. And just as a final note on Hardin and, and, uh, and Hickok, they did actually kind of go get a drink and settled their differences. Oh, really? And Hardin went on to be one of the worst mass murderers in Western history. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was he was a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. And he was at one time a Methodist minister. <laughs> well... He was! <laughs> you got to be careful of him. I'll tell you what, whether it's the Methodists, the Mormons, the Lutherans, we're, there's bad guys in every one of us. <laughs> okay. Yep. I got to run, buddy. Thank you so much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.